0: Welcome to the 223rd episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today we are recording on March 10th, 2021. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com and 50% of this here show with me is the man who does not have an intro prepared, Carlos Rodella? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait, are you talking about yourself?
0: I might be talking about myself.
1: Oh, that was nice. Nice way to send it over to me, but it's actually on you. I had a moment of sheer panic right there, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we should tell people that you come up with that like pretty much on the spot every episode.
0: Like five seconds before we get on the air, and I totally forgot because we were so busy talking about other stuff before the show that I forgot I did not prep the intro.
1: Well, we both don't have an intro, but the intro is this. This is the intro.
0: The intro that was not an intro became an intro. It's like magic. Introception. Intro oh, intro inside an intro, but which is the real intro? Actually, right. the show hasn't even started yet. I know. Well, wait about the
1: spinning top. Is the top still spinning?
0: <laughs> oh, let's not go there. Let's not okay. go there. Okay. All right. Let's get, let's get out of the matrix real quick. Let's talk about stuff. We have a full show, pack show. Tons of games. Before we get to games, we are going to do some housekeeping. Let's kick it off. Keep in the house with Carlos. Carlos, what you got this week?
1: Keep that house. Keep that house. Keep, keep that house. Still got no opening music. I think that's what I'll just do, though. Every episode, I'll just make a new jingle. Um, so there it is. So the first thing is just, uh, notice this on Twitter, uh, a buddy of mine, Scott, uh, tweeted this out that the outer worlds is, has no DLC coming. Oh, and it's coming this month and like in a week or so, like really soon. Wow.
0: Okay. Excellent. That's good news.
1: I know. Cause I love that game. We talked about it on the show. I think you liked it quite a
0: bit or a little bit. I, I, I started playing it when I was not in the right headspace. So I stopped, but I actually bought it again. I rented it the first time from Gamefly, and then I bought it again, and then I think I actually bought it again, um, but I'm, this is good timing because I'm in a much better zone. like I'm more open to like that kind of experience right now, and then I'll have the whole game plus the first DLC, and then I can just wait a little bit longer, and then I'll do the second DLC.
1: Yeah, and they kind of, in a way, go together, too. They're kind of like um, mysteries, those the second two DLCs. So this one is called Murder on Iridanos. Iridanos? Okay. And, you know, murder on, it just sounds like a
0: mystery uh, waiting to happen. So I I was hoping you're going to say like on the Mercury Express or something. Nice. That would have been. Instead,
1: it's like on something I can't pronounce. Iridanios. (laughs) Uh, And the first one was Peril on Gorgon, uh, which is the first. Yeah, and I played through that. So anyways, just a quick update for our listeners and for me and for you. Uh, It's coming out very soon. Uh, The other thing I noticed while I was looking around on the Internet, as one does, cyanide and happiness familiar with that brand right i am not what the
0: hell i do not i know i like i might have seen it walking by a booth at pax one time or something but i don't know anything about it
1: okay well it's like a comic web comic and I, I don't know if they have a cartoon but i got introduced to that whole brand um like the little stick figure characters and with a card game so there's a card game where you can like put together different phrases like the what's that one that everyone plays come on
0: uh, I the, know what you're talking about. Comes in a black box.
1: Yeah, the uh, Cards Against Humanity.
0: Cards Against Humanity. Yes. So
1: it's like you know you form something together, and it's it's hilarious. So, anyways, they have a video game. I didn't know that, and also I found out because I saw something about a zombie game version of Cyanide and Happiness coming out March 11th, which is tomorrow, the of time of this recording.
0: Oh, what's it called? Uh,
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That is so on brand. For that's show. so. That's that so, so us. That is us.
1: Just if you type in cyanide and happiness zombies, you'll hey,
0: get it. There's a cool thing coming out that I want to tell you about, and I have no idea what it's called. do you
1: want me to Google it?
0: Doing it right now. Okay, cover and, for me. But, no, but I,
1: it just seems like um, I like that humor, and you know, I like uh, what's, we like that loathsome game, the stick figure loathsome West of what's loathing. West of, yeah, of loathing. Yeah, yeah. Yes, West amazing. of loathing. Yeah, amazing game. So, anyways, I like stick uh, figure humor. I like cyanide happiness. They have a new game coming out. That's Freak, in Freak
0: Apocalypse. Cyanide and happiness.
1: Freak Apocalypse. Check it out, everybody. That's my word, and my word is that. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about.
0: That is that, is, that was a couple words, but I, I I get your meaning and get your drift.
1: Here, uh, what else you got, man? What else? Oh, you're you just you just um, alluded to something later in the show. You said drift.
0: Oh, I did. I did. That's that's a
1: stretch, but we're going to talk about a drifter later on in the show.
0: Oh, I've got an even more direct correlation to drift in a minute here. Ooh, because you drifted in some vehicle that you're going to talk about? Not, no. Not even remotely, but no. Never mind then. The word
1: drift is used. We'll find out in a minute here. Jeez, wow. A lot of foreshadowing and not a lot of content. Guys, get back on the program.
0: Get back on track, folks.
1: So, Cyberpunk uh, is a game that I like.
0: I still like it. I made a song about it. it? What? Really? What game are you talking about? It's uh,
1: called Cyberpunk 2077.
0: Huh. I'll have to look it up.
1: Yeah. It's uh, a sci-fi type RPG. And uh, a lot of people hate it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I love it. Um, So anyways, uh, I recently put out a song. Did you see the song? I think I did. Okay. Okay. I made a song about how I'm still playing it, and while I was like making the song, I was looking up cyberpunk news on YouTube, always finding the newest updates and sure. stuff about it. And I found out that there was an ARG that they did before the sh- uh, the game came out, and it was this kind of augmented reality thing where you 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 know find things in the real world, you get a T-shirt, on that T-shirt it had a code, you use that code for a website, you know the drill.
0: I don't have any time for those things. I, I appreciate that those things are a thing in the real world that happens. But like every time I hear about them, I'm like, who's got time for that? I've got time for that. Who's got time for that?
1: I don't either. It's intense. Um, So what I did is I just watched a YouTube video that explained all of it Um, because, you know, it all happened already. But here's the cool part of it. And this could be a whole episode, so I won't go too far with it. But okay. the end of it really talks about Nightcorp. A lot of it talks about this co- uh, company called Nightcorp that's in the game. It's kind of alluded to in the game. It's not really full-on a main mission. But a lot of the side missions and weird side missions that have to do with Mr. Blue Eyes, if anybody knows what I'm talking about.
0: Frank Sinatra, crooner from the yes.
1: uh, 40s and 50s. And he's in Cyberpunk 2077. That's amazing. Is he like um, a hologram? No. Back on track. Back on track. Back on track. There's like, talk about AI. There's talk about uh, a lot of really weird stuff I don't want to spoil. And a lot of it's not ever explained in the game. In the main mission or in the side missions but this arg actually talked about it and that's really exciting to me so i would suggest anybody who's like me and still like into the lore of the game and excited for dlc but there's nothing there yet go on youtube again we don't do the homework just search like uh cyberpunk arg recap okay and look at some of the storylines that happened in that arg and you can actually go on some weird side missions that you might not have gone on yet that will tell you more about this really interesting side story that most definitely will be in some DLC coming soon.
0: So. I got to just say, dude, just like I haven't played Cyberpunk yet, but like I, I dislike it as a rule when you need to go to some outside source to find out about something that's in a game. I kind of, I really hate that. I like, was like, I don't want to do research. I don't want to go read a book. I don't want to go find a t-shirt with a barcode on it. Like just if I'm sitting down to play a game, give me all the info in the game. Like if you can't work that info in, I mean it's either if it's so there's a difference when you can't work it in and you just don't want to work it in. I guess if you don't want to work it in, that's fine. But like don't penalize me. Yeep. Don't make things crazy and unexplained because I didn't go to your ARG. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. I hear you. Okay, I hear you.
1: That's what I was trying to interrupt. Here's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> is that what that noise was? Yeah, I was doing yep. It was a little bit of gas. Um, what I'm saying is if you play the game and not know anything about this ARG, you'll. You won't lose anything, right, by not knowing the ARG stuff. I'm just saying for those crazy people out there like me, and I know you're out there and you're listening, who can't get enough of Cyberpunk, just go watch the recap. I'm not saying you had to go through the whole ARG experience, but there's some really interesting story bits about Nightcorp and about this thing that I can't talk about. And it'll fill in some of the stuff that you are playing or you might have played in the side missions. It's so vague. I'm sorry to even bring it up. I really just as
0: long as they don't leave you hanging in the game. That's what I really take offense to. If it's some extra thing that you don't care about or that crazy people care about, that's fine. But if I if I play through a mission and then I'm like, what happened? Who was that guy? Why did I do this? And then it's like, go check our webcomic, yada, yada, yada. Then I'm like, fuck you. But if it's like if it's something totally extra, that's I don't mind that. That's fine.
1: Yeah, it's extra. It's actual, okay, and, and I'm also bringing it up because it, there is a really interesting thing that I never brought up on the show. Is that there is this really, really cool mystery that does happen naturally through the game if you do a bunch of side missions. That is not explained, and it is, and I can't talk about it because it's like super spoilery. All right, don't spoil it. Yeah. So anyways, that's all. It's this ARG, YouTube it. Look up ARG Cyberpunk. I'm giving you some free stuff to look at the free lore. Free stuff. Free uh, information. I
0: got, a, I got a couple things here cluttering the house. You got anything else or should I take over?
1: No, please. My my side of the house is clean.
0: All right. My my half cuz our house is divided by a piece of like that <laughs> game right down the middle,
1: right? Right. We live in the same house and we split it down the middle and, my, yes. and we always get cluttered every week.
0: Your house, your side is clean, my my side of the house is is messy. Let's talk about a few things. So to to circle back to a couple of movies that you brought to the show earlier that i had not watched i am now caught up so really quickly willie's wonderland starring nicholas cage i watched that a couple days ago uh that was the nicholas cage kind of like a five nights at freddy's inspired uh I, I guess horror movie it's also i guess sort of a comedy sort of a weird movie yeah it's weird. um it was it was okay it was interesting i watched it with my son because he's a huge five nights at freddy's fan And he thought it was great because he likes scary animatronics and he likes, you know, the the combat and stuff was fine. But I got to say, I I felt like that movie left me with more questions than answers. And I did not appreciate that I didn't there was just too much that was unanswered. Right. And I don't want to get super spoilery. But one thing that you brought to my attention before we watched the movie was that Nicolas Cage never speaks. Yeah. Really strange. Right. Like he goes through the entire movie. He doesn't say a single word like he yells a couple times when he's throwing punches. But that's it. Like he doesn't talk. And I thought for sure that was going to be a plot point. There's also this other plot point where every, I don't know, 20 minutes or something, his alarm on his watch goes off and he's got to go drink a soda like like (laughs) clockwork Uh, every 20 minutes, like no matter what he's doing, he stops like in the middle of a fight or like he's getting chased or some shit. He just stops, goes to the kitchen, drinks a soda and then comes back. And like, I'm like, okay, that's got to be a plot point because that's fucking weird. And what is even going on with this? And they don't really answer it. Like I, they get to the end of the movie and I was waiting for a plot twist and I'm not going to spoil it, but like I felt the resolution of those two items was extremely unsatisfactory. And I was kind of mad because it's like, if you introduce an element like that, I feel like you owe it to the audience to at least allude to the explanation. And I was like, "Mm." well, I'll give you,
1: I'll give you explanation to the taking the breaks because that's what it is um it's it's i it's nothing more than that really but in the very beginning of the movie the guy who is like setting him up to go clean this place yeah chucky jesus he goes make sure you take your breaks and literally that's what he does the whole movie
0: Ah, that is not enough of an explanation it isn't
1: no i know i know it isn't but it is also like culty and nicholas cagey and weird and it's just weird i think that is weird, is and remember he like does it to the detriment of other people in the movie.
0: Yeah, people like, are like getting attacked, and he's yeah, got to take his break, and he's he got to take them. his
1: break. Here's what I think it is, and I love actually. I like movies, and you know I like a Twin Peaks series, etc. Sure, sure. I like stuff that you gotta like make up your own sure, ideas. Sure. So in my mind, if he doesn't take his breaks, he doesn't have his video game energy to kill the animatronics. That's what I think. Because I mean, he drinks be a soda, that. too. Remember, he drinks a soda. Yeah. He no relaxes. Food, he um, drinks,
0: yes, drinks soda, plays some pinball, plays literally some pinball. plays pinball during his break. I
1: That's just, what I think
0: it is. That's all I, I think I was that is. so dissatisfied by such weird, eccentric behavior that it felt like it was weird for the sake of being weird with nothing behind it. And I got really unhappy about that. But yeah. other than that, like the monsters were fun. Being of the monsters is fine uh it my, my son loved it and that was good so we had some good quality bonding time so there was willie's wonderland i don't know that i would recommend it to anybody unless you're a five nights at freddy's die hard but there you go well um, i
1: would also recommend it to a Nicolas cage fan who likes weird sure, cult sure. movies yeah you know i mean yeah yeah yeah
0: agreed. agree agree uh i also circled back and watched monster hunter finally when it yes! first came out you watched it for you watched it right like the day it came out or something like that and i'm like I was worried it was going to be a trash fire and I didn't want to spend 20 bucks on the rental. So I waited and it dropped to six ninety nine. and I'm like, okay, I can gamble six ninety nine on this movie based on a game that I've played several hundred hours with. So yeah, that's fine. I'll try it. And I got to say, dude, you actually were right. That was a pretty legit movie. It was not bad at all. Yeah, I was yeah. very surprised. I was expecting the worst and maybe it helped that my expectations were low, but like when we actually got into the movie, it was pretty clear that the director had a very firm understanding of what Monster Hunter was about. Like he understood the IP. He, he had the right references. He had the right content. He approached the monsters the right way. Um, It was a little bit of a a divergence because they kind of had to explain how the real world crossed over with the Monster Hunter world. But I thought that was fine. I really liked how, when uh, the star of the movie, Mila Jovovich, uh, when she goes into the Monster Hunter world, she doesn't speak the language. And I thought that was cool. Like kind of had to like negotiate with uh, Tony Ja, who was the, uh, I didn't realize he was in that movie at all. I missed that somehow. And he popped up and I'm like, holy shit, what's he doing in this movie? That's crazy. Wait, I don't Um, know. Who is he? He's like a super crazy martial arts star. He was in um, kickboxer. I think it was called like a bunch of like really awesome um, martial arts movies. He's really Mm -hmm. big star. If you follow uh, that scene and he showed up and I was like knocked out of my chair. I'm like, Oh my God, I didn't realize he's in the movie. So we started watching, and it was really good. The monsters were good. They looked great. The action was great. They did the weapons properly. They were, the only thing, the only one thing that I took issue with, uh, and I was so mad about this, and I knew I feel like the director did it on purpose, was anybody who plays Monster Hunter knows that a big part of Monster Hunter is you got to cook your own food sometimes. It gives you back stamina. It's really important to cook the food. And when you cook your food, you can burn it. Like, if you burn it, uh, it gets burned. It's no good. But if you cook it just right, like this little sound clip that's, that plays, and it says, like so tasty. Like it says it like every time you cook it. Right. So that's like one of the monster hunter, like hallmarks and they go to the campfire. They're cooking the fucking food. She's doing the, she's doing the thing. And then the camera like pans into her. Like she's going to say it. And she's like, this is so good. And I'm like, what? Oh yeah. Good. What the (laughs) fuck are you talking about? You got to say so tasty, or at least uh, you could even do so meaty. That's acceptable. So meaty or so tasty. One or two, one of those two phrases the director did not do it. I was I was shouting at the screen. My wife was shouting at the screen. My kid was running in circles. He's like, she didn't say it. And we're all fucking mad she didn't say it. That sucked. That's but funny. other than that one moment, I thought the movie was great, really great adaptation. I was surprised... Flabbergasted, dare I say, at how great of an adaptation it was. I was, I just, yeah, I wouldn't have believed it until I saw it. It was, I love it. Up. Yeah, it was I good. love it.
1: I love also, you know, hearing you say things like, you were right or you were so you were right, right or Carlos, something like that. You yeah, were yeah. So right. That's cool to hear. But also, um, I think that, you know, with that thing that was missing that you you were looking for, you know, that one little sound That's bite, online. Um, I think a lot of it is because he was trying to balance like the real world stuff and the non Monster Hunter fans and the non Monster Hunter just kind of world, and I think he did an awesome job of it because he did. He did. when the Monster Hunter world comes in, it's Ron Perlman, it's a fucking cat, you know, it's like You're ridiculous. Like in a desert
0: sand ship and all yeah. that stuff, and, it's, and I'm it's, like yeah, it's great. That
1: is the other world, and so it's like I think why, and and I'm just getting into director's head. There's like okay, well this is still. Like, you know, we're not fully in video game land yet. I feel like, you know, they're going to make a second movie for sure. I'm sure they will. So yeah. that one, maybe you'll get your soundbite. That's what I'm
0: thinking. Uh, I mean, yes. I, I'm going to forgive it because he got so much right and so much of that was totally on target when it could have gone so wrong. I'm not I'm not going to hold it against him. Maybe yeah. I will a little bit, but not really. But she could have just said, hmm, so tasty. But she could have, yeah, she could have yeah, said yeah, that. You're right, you're right. You're that would have been okay. So anyway, small, super fan, you know – OCD detail, not a big deal. But overall, you were right, Carlos. Monster Hunter was actually legitimately good. I was shocked. It's definitely worth it. Uh, One final shout-out. Pacific Rim, The Black, is playing on Netflix right now. I am a huge Pacific Rim fan. Do you care for Pacific Rim or you don't? I guess I don't. That's just like the big robots versus monsters, right? That is it, exactly. I love big robots. I love big monsters. I love Guillermo del Toro, which that was his baby. Uh, That's like three of my favorite things in one movie. That movie, the first Pacific Rim, is awesome that's like like legit no joke one of my favorite movies of all time because it is so fucking awesome seeing those robots fight and shit that is like this is my jam to the 1000th degree uh less so for the sequel it wasn't great but you know i'll take more big robots i guess this pacific rim the black is a seven episode animated series playing on netflix i don't know the people who are creatively involved i do not believe mr del toro is involved but it is a canon continuation of the story. This takes place after the second Pacific Rim film. So mm. even though it's an animated series, it's set in Australia, it does not have any of the same characters, but they definitely reference very clearly the events of the previous film. Some of the robots from the previous film show up. Like It's it's 100% a legit continuation. Um, it's pretty good. It's not awesome, but it's pretty good. It's worth watching if you're a Pacific Rim fan. Some of the ideas they had in that show we like really chef's kiss. Awesome. Some of the ideas I was maybe not so sold on, but overall there's not a lot of Pacific Rim content out there these days. And if you like me are just kind of jonesing for more of that world, it's worth a watch. It's worth a watch. It's pretty good. Not great, but pretty good.
1: It's kind of like how I was just trying to give the cyberpunk people some more cyberpunk stuff. See, but it's not an ARG. But it's not an ARG, and yes, I know. But anyways, no, that's <laughs> that's cool. I, I, I like extra anime to like continue the story or, rec, or extra any sort of like episodic stuff.
0: Yeah, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about that. I do feel like the art style is a little bit too anime for my taste, and I, you know, I was kind of following along and it was fine. But when they started referencing the original stuff, I'm like, okay, well that's cool. I mean, they took their time. They didn't go off on their own. They definitely are acknowledging the events of the previous, you know, two films. And I mean, it's cool. It's cool. I, a few things I was like, oh, this is not great. But overall, definitely worth a watch if you want Pacific Rim. And there's like I said, there's not much out there these days. So you got to take what you get.
1: By the way, our house was cluttered because that's like it was a 20 cluttered. minute cleaning of I house.
0: That's <laughs> ridiculous. All right. House is clean. Let's get on track. We got a lot of games to talk about. On to the main content of the show, episode 223, happening live in person right now. Carlos, we're going to kick it off with you. You've got a couple of quickies we're going to cover. Dreaming Sarah and Under Leaves. Which one do you want to cover first? Dreaming Sarah. It'll
1: take two seconds. Um, I put Dreaming Sarah review in parentheses in my notes. Rataleika Strikes Again.
0: Oh no, I saw that. And this again. Dude, same thing. I saw this game in the eShop. I'm like, ooh, I want to buy that. Wait a minute. Rataleika games. Hold up. And then you said you were going to review it. So I'm like, oh yes, Carlos took this bullet. He'll
1: take the bullet. Yes. You know, I
0: didn't see the Rataleika. I don't know what's wrong with me. Because
1: I have like, you know, we live at home and I just basically buy every game. So I was like, yes, this looks weird. I like the trailer. It's about a platformer, a little girl going around and seeing crazy stuff uh being platformery and crazy stuff i don't know it just looked interesting from the trailer so i was like okay and then it, i downloaded it i started and it goes right out like a presents and,
0: and then I you just, went oh shit
1: oh i started crying <laughs> i just started crying and said well that's my five dollars whatever gone uh yeah no it's not good and um unfortunately (laughs) that's what happens like okay so again to set up the trailer it's a platformer with a girl running you know left and right going to these kind of 2d 2D pixel platformer she's going to like weird worlds you see like giant eyeballs you see like items she's got to pick up you see kind of monsters you see you know just weird landscapes and i'm like that's going to be fun for a a larf you know you just go through you see the story (laughs) That's sure. good for a larf. Uh, it's not even that good for a larf because basically the things you do, it's like the most simple in the world, like a, the most simplest platformer you can ever devise ever. RPG Maker platformer. You Oof. know what I mean? Oof. So well, I mean, you- what's
0: the what's the hook? I mean, what, is there any hook to it?
1: Well, here's the, here it is. again, the trailer shows you know, she's entering her own mind, supposedly. I don't know. Like, It's like, what is she doing? Where is she going? How could she see all these weird worlds? It never explains it. I mean, granted, I played it for 45 minutes, an hour or something. Wow, um, I'm surprised you made it that long. Okay. Because I really wanted to see if this got better or whatever. Not much story happens. It just seems like she just goes places, gets things, I, let me give an example. In the very beginning, you're running around, you can jump. I also didn't like the jump mechanic, which always kills me at a platformer. Mm-hmm. Um, you get an umbrella, or no, There's you meet some character, and he goes, ah, oh, I wish I had my umbrella. <laughs> you go like two boards over, and there's the umbrella. And you're like, I should probably get this umbrella. Then it lets you glide or something, so you can jump and glide with it. Sure, sure. I went back to the guy who wanted his umbrella. He was gone. I was like, oh, Okay walked to a couple more boards, saw a guy, he said like, I wish I had my hat. Walked to some other boards, went through an elevator, found a hat. I mean, this is like five minutes, you Mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. got the hat in five minutes, went back to the guy. He's like, thanks for the hat. Take this. And it's just that kind of cookie cutter, you know, like, I mean, yeah, it introduces new moves, I guess here and there, but it just felt like, why am I doing any of this? Oh, Um, dude, It kind of goes down to that thing. Like we talk about this a lot in this show. Like, you know there's games just for like fun shooty shooty, uh, fighting games, things that are just visceral, right? Uh, yeah, my I like Tony Hawk just because it's fun, but lots of times if we want to spend some time with a game, uh, we want just a little bit of reason to why we're doing this stuff, absolutely, absolutely. And I just feel like this one is like so cookie cutter that I was like, well, I don't why am I still doing this? And I wasn't getting fed at, like story, I was just getting weird messages here and there, meeting characters that were okay, but then they were just easily resolved so unless it blows up and turns into this amazing experience like two three hours in i mean you just got to catch me before that you know what i mean
0: yeah see this so so this is perfect example of like something that i think of a lot um because as a game critic and editor you know and reviewer i get like i mean like this is not a joke okay i get several hundred emails a day from people who want me to play their game and check out their game and like. When you are in this position, which I admit is a unique position, not everybody sees as many emails as I do, but like you start to see all this stuff that just looks the same, where it's like, hey, this is a really basic 2D platformer that's made of pixels. And I've got this character who's like maybe a little bit cute, but kind of generic. And like I get like a dozen of those a day, dude. And so I I just kind of wonder, like, if you don't have a hook, why are you making this? Because there's 50 million other 2D platformers like this, and some of them are pretty fucking awesome. Like, yeah. and if you don't have the juice to step to that, why bother doing that? And I get it if it's like, hey, it's my first game and I'm learning how to make like, cool, like do that. But like, if I draw a picture of a scribble, I don't take it to an art museum and want to sell it. I just figure I'm learning how to draw, right? So like, if you make a super basic game and it's just like a super basic game with no hook to it and no real reason to get anybody to play it, like don't sell that. Just, you got the skill. Now make something better. Look at what's out in the market. Find a niche that isn't being filled. Find a a hook that is original or original-ish. And then, like, give us a reason to play it. Like, it's not enough to just be a platformer or just to be a, a, a multiplayer party game. There's got to be, like, a hook, an idea, a concept. Because there's so much competition out there, it's not enough to just make a game that runs, right? Like, it has got to be more to it.
1: Yeah, but to your point, like, now to play Devil's Advocate, I guess, is, like, yeah, independent game developers have to make stuff to see to get better and to see what they want to make in the future. And sure. maybe, you know, maybe again, rather like a push this out because they like me were intrigued by the trailer, you know, and like, we're like, Oh, this might be interesting to some people. And the, the trailer was interesting to me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like you've said this many times in the show, wait till their next outing, you know, like, let's see what their yeah. next outing is for me. It's just, um, hard pass, but um, I really like the trailer. Oh, and I was like, Dude, man.
0: that is, that is Radalika's whole jam. They get me every time. Trailer looks great. Whoever's making trailers at Radalika is a genius. Oh. Every trailer they put out is dope. And I'm like, yes, I'm going to buy that game. And then I buy the game, and I'm like, this game fucking sucks. Okay, Every time. Every time.
1: Let's put it on this episode, 223. We are not going to let Radalika Radaleca <laughs> get us again. <laughs> and I'll do my due diligence and actually look at the publisher-developer information. When I they see a good trailer,
0: you, they get you. They are coming for that $4, dude. They
1: got my, I think six or something. Oh, Jeez, okay. Uh,
0: okay. Moving on.
1: Uh, let's just quickly talk about under leaves.
0: Yes. Under leaves.
1: I wanted to actually play this game just based again, similarly on a trailer. trailer slash like just the look of it. Um, and then we were lucky to get a code mm-hmm. and I played it on Xbox. And this is a very relaxing, cool game. Uh, it is just a simple game to find items in, on maps, right? Like, I don't
0: know, what's the style of game? It's just like a, like an item hunt sort of a game. Like, um, yeah, like a bunch of crap on the screen and you got to find the comb and you got to find the button and the, the, the cheese wedge and stuff like that. Or is that okay, kind of well,
1: like, here's the thing. I don't like hidden item games at all, like at okay. all. And I actually worked for a company where we put out some, uh, at Big Fish, I liked all the other games that we were working on, but I didn't like the hidden.
0: Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, Big items. Fish put out a bunch of those. Uh, yeah. Yes.
1: Actually, I did like the spooky one, but in general, I, I don't like a lot of them. So hidden object games. That's hidden what object games. Hidden yes. object games. So the the, this, the the thing with them, just a real quick uh, mini history, is that almost every time with those, you have to like put things together so the things that we talked about in the show many times we don't like about adventure games is we have to like find the cheese wheel and put it together with the you know sword sure. or something and you're like that yeah i made a cheese wheel sword uh and now that fits in the lock because it's resident evil <laughs> <laughs> anywho so that's a lot of those games hidden objects you'll find things but then like you need those things to unlock things or you combine the things and it's just bullshit i don't want to do that this is just a relaxing zen like meditation game where it's this map, and you start with it. there's a couple maps actually, and you just like pick a place on the map, and it's like an animal, and it's beautiful like watercolor style art style. Okay. Okay. And you go to the map, and it's like say it's a bear, and the bear and this is just, all two D, I assume. Yeah, all two D okay. paint. It's like paintings. Okay, gotcha. And um and the the bear, sa- you know, the, there's no audio and there's no text, but you just click on the bear and it just says a word bubble and says the bear wants like these. Uh, you know cone, uh, pine cones or fish or something and you have to go find them in the environment you're just moving your mouse around and clicking um, i use it on the xbox and the analog controller felt fine very very smooth so it wasn't difficult and then you find them all and then you go back to the animal click him or her and it's like thanks and then some little cutscene happens right just some sort of like little thing like um, one there was like these animals in a tree and like the little baby animals showed up or like some birds flew by, you know, something very relaxing. Um, it feels like it's a meditation game, really. And when you do try to find these things for these creatures, there's like multiple boards. So you put on the directional pad, you push down, and there's a whole other board. And if you they're don't, they're
0: all find... connected to the one big picture. Yeah, like yeah, it's, all one big yeah. Picture? it's okay. like a
1: you know four by four frame or something. Okay. And then you go to the right, and there's more. And so if you're not finding it on one, you know, frame, it's on probably on another picture. It's just so relaxing, and the music is so good. The sound effects are so good. Like, you know, if it's a forest, there's, like, forest sounds. Uh, water, you can hear underwater sounds. Play with your headphones, of course. Uh, this is on Switch as well, right? Yes, I, it is. I yeah, believe so. yeah. I believe it's on everything. I think it would be great on Switch because, like, right before bed, it's, it's such a relaxing thing. There's no, like, gaminess about it. There's no winning i mean i guess there's an ending but i actually was going through them pretty quickly and i just stopped myself because i was like i need to play this in the evenings i'm just going to save these you know it's similar to picross i love playing picross you know just to kind of chill out sure sure um or you call it what do you call it, pie cross
0: p cross pie cross cross <laughs> pie crust i pie crust All right, okay let me ask you a question then so yeah. how difficult is it to find these things because it sounds like what you're describing is pretty relaxing. And it's pretty ironic that you brought this, this to the show. I know you'll find out why in a minute. Um, but like, is it, are you like circling the board over and over? Are you racking your brain trying to find these? Or is it pretty simple to find what you need? Like, is it is it more chill or is it really like testing your eyesight?
1: Yeah, it starts chill and it gets harder. Because I remember I was like, okay, is this all just going to be the same level of difficulty? No, it just got progressively harder. But none of it feels, again, you just, I, I just described what the game is even if it's, like, really hard to find something, the music's relaxing, the graphics are really cool to look at, you don't care, you know? You're not like, oh, there's a timer, you know? If gotcha. there was a timer in this game, fuck that. That would be terrible. There's not. It's very relaxing, and yeah, to answer your question, though, it does get harder, and I was in this underwater level, and they were looking for seashells, and everything else was the same, like, pattern as the seashell, and I was like, holy uh, crap. Yeah. Um, but it never was, like, impossible and i wasn't like staying on a board for too long um that's all i have to say about it i think it's a great before bed game it's relaxing um again i could have finished it but i was like i'm saving this this is gonna be my evening thing i do
0: all right. Excellent. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. So the two games you discussed were Dreaming Sarah from Radalaka like Games and Under Leaves, which we just discussed here. Funny that you mentioned that because totally unconnected to you, we did not coordinate this in any way. I ended up playing Wind Peaks on the Switch, literally the exact same kind of game that you just described with Under Leaves, like Weird. basically to a T. Uh, in Wind Peaks, it is, again, a 2D hand-drawn game where you are looking for hidden items, in the environment, uh, in this particular game there, there's kind of a story, I guess, but there's no language in the game. There is no written language. There is no spoken language. There are no words. The developers use like pictograms and uh, you know, images to try to explain what they want you to do. Uh, not super successful. I don't think you got to be pretty good to get away with that, but it gets the point across. Basically you're, you're a, a group of like cub scouts or something going on a camping trip. And each level is about one phase of this trip. Um, and so like one level is like you're in the woods and the next level is like you're at the campsite and the next level is like you're around the campfire roasted marshmallows. And in each of these levels, there's like, I don't know, five or six different things you got to find. It's like a pair of pants, left shoe, right shoe, a banana, a pencil, whatever, you know, st- and it's not crazy stuff. I mean, it's stuff that would be related to what's going on in the scene, right? So like it, on the, there you know, a tent, a sleeping bag, it's all kind of related Um, the levels I think are pretty big, um, probably about the same size as what you're describing, maybe four or five screens, maybe more, more than that, maybe six or eight screens sometimes. And you can zoom in or out to get a good look. You can click on things to move them. Like, let's say, for example, there's a bush that looks suspicious. You can click on the bush and then the bush will like part as if you are, you know, looking inside the bush kind of a thing. Or like Mm. there's a tent with the flap closed. You click on the flap, the flap opens to see if there's something inside the tent. Um, so it's kind of like that. And after you finish the first scene, you get like a very brief cutscene of the campers like doing something or like moving on to the next phase of their story. Um, I like this idea. Um, and I got a code from the developer. The developer said it was kind of inspired by something like Gravity Falls along those lines. You ever watch Gravity Falls?
1: Yeah. And by the way, I'm seeing some of the images. It's, it's important to note that your game you're talking about is more like little characters and you're moving the characters around then, right?
0: No, you're not moving the characters. Oh, okay. At all. They're oh, on the know.
1: screen. I see some little characters on the screen.
0: They just like hang out and do their thing. You're just moving a cursor. Uh, around the okay, you're still so both game. You're moving a cursor then. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, there are there are like campers on the screen. There's people walking, people sleeping. But you're not doing anything with them. You're just kind of moving your cursor around trying to find the items. That that's that's all you're really doing. Okay.
1: And yeah, I did see Gravity Falls. I, I'm getting that vibe from these images.
0: Yeah. So I love Gravity Falls, and that was a big draw. I'm like, oh, I love Gravity Falls, and if this is the same kind of, um, you know, slightly supernatural, slightly heartfelt um you know little kid adventures that's what i'm I'm, i'd be up for that that's cool uh it's okay i i gotta be honest with you i ran out of patience really quickly with this game because i feel like i was just spending too much time looking for items like they weren't popping up quickly enough maybe that's me maybe that's my eyesight maybe i just was playing it too late at night maybe i was too tired i don't know Uh, but i got three or four boards in and i just was like I just started getting fucking irritated because I couldn't find the thing I needed. And I would find like, you know, out of six items, I would find four, like right off the bat. And then I would spend half an hour looking for the last two. And it's just like it started wearing on my nerve. Uh, I just kind of was like just getting irritated because I couldn't progress fast enough. Uh, There is a hint button, but I actually despise the hint button because when you hit the hint button, you can choose which item you want. So let's say, for example, there's like a shoes, a banana, and a hat. And you're like, well, I can't find the banana, so I'm gonna, I am gonna need a hint for the banana. You push the button, and then it makes you wait three literal real-time minutes before you get the hint. And what? when the hint shows up, it's only on screen for like a couple seconds. So if you're not on the screen where the banana is, you'll get a little arrow that says, hey, it's over here to the northwest. You scroll over there, but if you're too slow with your scrolling, the hint goes away. And then you're fucking looking for it again. And I'm like, oh, my God. Are I you just...
1: exaggerating the three minutes or is it? No, it really... is literally
0: a three minute countdown.
1: Literally a three that minute. Doesn't countdown. make any sense. Why would they do that? It's
0: so irritating. And that three minutes, like, honestly, honestly, that three minutes is what killed this game for me, because that forced waiting period was way too long. And it drove me up the fucking wall because when I need a hint, I need a hint right now. Yeah. I don't want to wait three minutes because I'm already stuck. I guess the idea is that you're going to keep looking for those three minutes to give you a chance to what redeem yourself, I guess. But like, dude, I I don't want to work that hard for this game. I just want to enjoy the pictures and enjoy the scenery and see what happens to these campers. I don't want to, like, go cross-eyed looking for a banana in the fucking woods, right? Yeah. So, like, that. If, if it was, like, one minute, I would have finished this game and I'd probably be talking about it really positively right now. It is three minutes and it made me fucking furious. And I, like... I could not do it anymore and I just quit the game and I'm like, fuck it. I can't waste my time on this. That feels like an insulting amount of time. I just, it, it drove me crazy. So me, that's what happened.
1: Let me, and that's unfortunate because the art does look really cool. Art it style. is really cute. Yeah. Um, let me tell you the difference of why not to just jump back to, uh, under leaves again, but the difference of why I like under leaves and I don't, there's no hints. I don't think because it's simple enough. Yeah. I'm looking at the screens of, of the game. You just talked about wind peak and, uh, It's very complicated. What's on screen? Like, there's a lot of things. Yeah, and this is like it's busy, but it's all the same thing. Like in under leaves, it's like underwater and some shells, you know. And you're just in the underwater area, and every board is kind of underwatery. And then the forest is all the same forest type trees and some leaves, but it's not like you're like, you know, seeing a truck and going like, is it under the truck somewhere? And like you said, you have to open things. There's none of that stuff. It seems like this one's. And it might get much harder later on, but yeah. Uh, that's unfortunate. I like it much simpler to be like a meditative game.
0: Yeah. I mean, for something like this, I just wanted to roll through it, dude. Like I, I was not looking for a challenge. I was not looking to be tested. I just wanted to take in this really cool art and the art is really cool. And to see these campers do their thing and just, just, I mean, just breeze through it. That's all I wanted just to have a good time and relax. And it ended up being really stressful instead of relaxing, which I think is the opposite of what they intended. So, yeah. Win Peaks on Switch next up, uh, also on Switch, is a game called Battle Brothers. This is a PC, originally, strategy, turn-based strategy game, which has a bunch of dudes. I don't know if they are literally brothers, but they are depicted in the game as 2D um, busts, as in head and shoulders, right? Like, you know, like there's no arms, there's no body, there's no legs. It's just the head and shoulders of a dude. And that's all you get. And then you go onto this map and you start doing some battle. Uh, I was curious because I like to play turn-based strategy games. I like strategy. I like that kind of stuff. And I bounced off this game almost immediately. Um,
1: <laughs> it did, This loading screen just showed up and you're like, I don't know nope. but these these
0: head and shoulders bust them out. I mean, it, I, I like I, I've played many strategy games. I am not a newcomer to the genre by any stretch of the imagination. But it's like you start the game and it's like, we recommend you play the tutorial. And I'm like, yes, sir, I'm definitely going to play your tutorial. You get to the tutorial. They don't tell you a goddamn thing. Shit. They don't tell you how the fucking combat engine works. They don't tell you how anything works, how the like the aiming works. I was like, what is going on? You told me to play the tutorial. I even backed out of it. I'm like, did I pick the wrong mission? Am I not in the tutorial? Back out of it, restart, go back to the tutorial. It's the literal same mission. They don't explain anything anything and i'm like well, how dare you call this a tutorial dude dude, that dude is- hold on hold on
1: i thought you were gonna say i'm still laughing at what i thought you might say that they were gonna make you wait three minutes oh
0: god no God thank they're god, like you no. want the
1: tutorial hold on three just minutes. see if you can figure it out for yourself for a minute we'll give it to you in three minutes
0: oh my god i, I seriously was like okay how does this work what is going on why i cannot shoot this guy what's happening what how what where, how much energy do i have i'm not sure like like dude tutorial tutorial teach me to play your game they did not teach me how to play this game and i got really frustrated because like i i do not like to bash my head against the game and try to figure it out when all, you, all you got to do is just tell me what to do and i guarantee i'll pick it up really quickly i suffered through it for a little bit longer got to the town and i hope things were going to open up from there then it was like you got to the town, and it was like all these resources, all these buildings to go to, all this stuff you had to manage. Hey, do you want new equipment? you want to buy these resources? you want to start a farm? And I'm like, what the fuck is even going on in this <laughs> game? I don't even know what I'm even doing. Like, why am I – oh, it's just like so frustrating, too much information overload, and maybe that works on PC. Maybe you can get away with that on PC. You cannot get away with that on console. You definitely can't get away with that on Switch. Like, you've got to right. teach me how to play your game. So I bounced out of that. Like, after that, I'm like, fuck it. I, I don't have the time for this. don't have the bandwidth. Um, so I left That was Battle Brothers. Um, Last game I'm going to talk about in this section here, Katana Kata, which is also on Switch. I'm playing it on Xbox X. I believe it's on everything right now. Uh, The developer describes it as a Souls-like roguelike. I do not know why he calls it that, because I don't think I would use either one of those terms, really. Um, Basically, you play a generic kind of, um, I mean, maybe a Japanese swordsman. It's not exactly clear. Uh, And you have a high attack. You have a low attack. This is third person, uh, kind of behind the back, real-time combat.
1: Wait a minute. Is this the, like, the
0: original Katakana game? No, no, no. That's Karatika you're thinking of. Oh, okay. No, different, not related whatsoever. Uh, But I know what you're talking about. No. No, so you just, you take your guy, and you've got a sword, high attack, low attack, uh, dodge. And then he's like, yeah, go kill the dudes who have disgraced us. And I'm like, okay, I'm on my way. And it's like the tutorial again not great and i don't understand really how this game exactly works because high attack low attack you can parry like if an enemy does a high attack you do a high attack you parry them and it's supposed to leave them open for an attack sometimes it works sometimes it didn't like i would parry high and then i would attack right after that and they would block it i'm like well I, I just parried you how are you blocking this and sometimes i could hit him like really easily kill a guy in one hit sometimes it would take three or four hits I'm like, I don't understand why I'm doing more damage this time, and I, as opposed to last time. And as you go through, you've got a life bar. Uh, you can pick up health potions every so often, but basically you're on a death run. Like, you want to take as little damage as possible, and you just keep going through. Like, guys will pop up and guys will pop up, and you're trying to, like, you know, one-shot them, I suppose. People say they kind of... Um, Related to... Uh, what is that one samurai game that was on PS1 that was um, the one-hit-kill samurai game that everybody loved?
1: Oh, yeah. Gosh. You know what I'm talking about. I know, I know what you mean, yeah.
0: Yeah, so, so there was a, a, a kind of like a one-hit samurai game on PS1. I totally can't remember what it's called, but it's a famous game that everybody loves. And boy, do I feel stupid for not remembering that name right I'll now. look it up. Go Google it or something, man. Uh, but anyway, I just the combat didn't feel good. Like I couldn't get into the groove with how the combat was working. Sometimes the parry worked, sometimes it didn't. Sometimes I'd one-hit guys, sometimes I wouldn't. Uh, I Sometimes I could do a combo, sometimes I couldn't. And it just wasn't really like clicking with me. And I mean, I'm no stranger to action games, so I, I know all about action games. I just wasn't vibing with this one. Like I'm not quite sure how the developer is envisioning this game is going to be played, um, but it just didn't feel very good. After you die, you get sent back to the beginning. You keep any power-ups that you got. So I guess the goal is that you're going to run through get a couple level ups, die, go back to the start, but then you keep your level ups and you're going to you're gonna be that much tougher for the next time. Hopefully you make it a little further. I mean, I get it. That's an okay loop. But the game just didn't feel very good to play. Like, I just could not jive with the combat. Didn't ever make it out of the first level because I just kept getting killed too many times. And I, you know, I just didn't want to, like, buckle in and commit to this thing to master it because it just didn't grab me right off the bat. So I bowed out pretty quickly. Uh, maybe people want to take a look. If you want a real simple... Super simple action y sword fighting game. Katana Kata is out is what this is called. Uh,
1: but uh, <laughs> I, I know like that. the ending. Uh, you're like and that's what the name of it is if you that's want to check it out. Is.
0: Yeah. Did you Google uh, that game? What is it called? Bushido Blade. Bushido Blade. Yeah, yeah. yeah Thank yeah. you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's vaguely, vaguely in the same bucket as Bushido Blade, but not really. So there you go. All right. Carlos enough of this stuff let's turn it back to you a brand new game that came to the ps5 i i don't know is it ps5 exclusive
1: i don't know which game you're talking about
0: you're talking about maquette which was Ooh. given away to ps5 owners who are ps plus members i was very surprised to see it was a ps plus game because it's brand new yeah uh, but that's cool that's very cool it is a puzzle game first person i believe and it's, i think it's, is this an annapurna game
1: it is annapurna which i love almost Man. everything they've ever published
0: they put out a lot of good stuff. So, Carlos, tell us about Maquette from Annapurna.
1: Yeah, um, it's similar to the Xbox Game Pass, right? This is a free game for PlayStation owners, even they though it's do, brand yeah. new, just like yeah. Medium. And by the way, both with a, a letter M, starting with M, so it might, must be that. That's the next reason. Next
0: month is the End Games.
1: Yes, and then yeah, and then O, uh, and then O. Oh. Uh, I was I didn't know what came after. Didn't it. know what the next letter I was. Right yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't uh, graduate. Um, I did. So, I went to college. So, but I didn't graduate. So, so But I did okay. graduate. I I I could keep it going. We're milking it. We're milking. Hold on, it. hold on. But I only got an associate's degree.
0: Oh.
1: <laughs> and that's the ending of it. That's true. Uh that's... and it oh wait, but it's in journalism. So that's pretty cool.
0: Oh man. I was <laughs> Okay, we yeah. got there's a lot of jokes that can spiral off from that, but we're gonna get back to the game here.
1: What? it's journalism? Okay, so games come a cat, it's but Annapurna, and they also like do movies and stuff, they're just so cool. I love Annapurna. Uh, but the developer is Graceful Decay, I never heard of them. This might be their first game, I'm not sure. Um, it is a first person puzzle game, which I'm not like the first person to jump in bed with a puzzle game, uh, as you know, probably if you listen to the podcast before.
0: but you're not the uh, first person to jump in bed with a first-person puzzle game, or just a puzzle game? I'm not the first person to jump in bed with a person. Now, what about a third person? That's pretty spicy.
1: Uh, what about a <laughs> shit?
0: <laughs> what about a
1: 2D third person?
0: A 2D <laughs> from first-person <laughs> oh <my God>.
1: perspective. <laughs> <2D>. <laughs> uh, how about right. that?
0: You're Anywho, Macat,
1: I'm not going to send this to the developer. They'll be like, they're not even reviewing our game.
0: They're just talking about, like, porn references. What are they talking about here? Well, that's where
1: I'll cut it right there. I'll cut that part out. Um, <laughs> so here's, here's a simple explanation of what maquette is. It is, basically, everybody's gone to the rapture mixed with subliminal. 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 How do you say
0: it? Superliminal.
1: Superliminal. That's why <laughs> it sounded wrong. <laughs> well, I'm definitely not going to send them
0: this review. Your subconscious was telling you that was wrong. You got a oh, subliminal message that it was whoa. the wrong
1: word. I think we fell back into the Inception Matrix from the beginning of the episode. That top is still spinning, dude. We're in it. Okay, let me re- restate that. It is a, basically like a first person uh, a game that's like the, you know, what remains of Edith Finch or Fitch or whatever. And everybody's gone to the rapture. You're kind of going through uh, in a first person way, not really action based, just. Hearing a story, right? Well while you're doing this, it's, there's puzzles to be solved and when you un, you know solve more of the puzzles, you'll get more of the story. Is someone
0: um, narrating is that what's happening?
1: Yes, and so the story okay. is told through narration but also um, text on the screen that is very, very smoothly and artly, artfully like put on different places on the world, right So you'll be coming upon around a corner somewhere and you'll see the narration take place and you can hear it, but it's also written right on the wall somewhere.
0: Okay, so like they work it into the environment, basically.
1: They work it into the environment, yeah. And the text is all very artsy and stuff, and and it changes based on where you are and what kind of landscape you're in. And so what it is is, at least from what I can see, it's one big board, at least the beginning. It might might open up. But it's a big board, and it's got like four or five different little uh, scenarios in it or like biomes, right? Like So in the middle is kind of this model or um yeah like a little model like a toy model of something and then around the outside of that there's like a little sidewalk and each stop point of the sidewalk is like a door and inside that door there's a whole other little mini world okay and when i say mini world i'm talking like a few screens big not too huge okay And, and then but the middle that little toy in the middle is the world so it's very super liminal is that what it is
0: no, Damn it! You got, me got messed you up that R. too.
1: Superliminal. Wait. Superliminal. Yeah, I think that's right. So that's basically, something. anything you do in the environment, in the little world, right, in the little world that's in front of you, takes place in the real world, but in a bigger scale. So say you find something like a little box in that little model that's in the middle of the map, and you pull it out and you put it down next to something that should make it bigger, you'll see it appear in your world as a huge block.
0: Oh, I see. Okay, I got right? you. Right?
1: And that's the kind of same stuff that happened in Super Superliminal. Superliminal, yeah. Yeah. Superliminal. So you mix that together with storytelling and really good music, like songs, like straight up fucking like FEMA vocalists and really good like heartfelt songs okay. that are telling the story of a couple, essentially. And the couple meeting... And I'm not sure what the ending is yet, but the couple meeting for the first time, falling in love, kind of the little little memories that people have when they share uh, these moments together for the first time. And so the graphics kind of uh, tell the story as well. So in one example, you're in this little, I'll call them biome for lack of a better word, but uh, word, you go inside this little door and you go into this like um, fairgrounds. And now, now you're hearing the story about how they were at the fairgrounds, right? Uh, if you remember, the, everybody's gone to the rapture. There would be kind of like leftover, like, um, you know, voices from the people. Yeah, this this is similar to that where you like, you can basically hear them. And now they're like by the thing where they won the teddy bear or something. And so you're kind of getting the story told to you as you're in these different environments. I hope I made I hope that made sense.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I'm following you. So you're kind of looking around this place, seeing these little like, I guess, exhibits that affect the real world. And then as you're doing the puzzles you're getting narration about these two people who met. I mean, my question is, what are the puzzles like?
1: Yeah, like, OK, a good example is there's like a key that's a small key. But when you and, and remember, it's similar to other games that are like this. It's not just as easy as like taking the small thing out, and making it big. Sometimes you have to take the big thing out, and make it small or you take the small thing out, make it big and then make it bigger by like, you know, what I mean, like finding it in the environment again and doing it twice. That's hard to explain in a podcast, but here's a puzzle. There's a key and it's small. I made the key big. It became a bridge.
0: Oh, I see. Okay. So like, so, so the scale of things is really
1: important. The scale of things is everything really. I think that's the main hook again, similar to superliminal where it's like the, um, the dimensions of stuff was weird and you had to like mess with the dimensions to get the puzzle solved, um, and so yeah, it is relaxing, similar to Under Leaves. A very good, just kind of you want to chill out. Um, it, it's perplexing. It's more perplexing than Under Leaves. It's like, okay, I don't know what to do. I might have to go do a walkthrough. You know what I mean? Gotcha, gotcha. But uh, what a cool game! Because again, I had no expectation. Uh, I think I just bought this on my own. I don't think I got a code. Oh yeah, it came from the PlayStation free Store. Yeah,
0: if you got if you got PS Plus, it was free.
1: Yeah. So I was like, well, there's nothing to lose, and I live in Uparna. It just it hit me more than I thought it would, because it's really about dissecting these moments between two people when they start falling for each other and the memories they create, you know, and maybe it's the, the pandemic talking. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm like, I remember life and uh, I, remember when I, relationships. I remember when I had a relationship and, and I went somewhere like a coffee store with a lady uh, and I sounded like that when I did it back in the day, you know, <laughs> like I would, you do like you do when you're 50, 60 years young and you're dating. Um, it's a really cool game. It's a chill game. If you like those two games I just mentioned, Edith Fitch or whatever it's called. Yeah, Edith uh, Finch, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then everybody gone to The Rapture and you like Superliminal, it's those two games put together. Right on,
0: right on. Interesting, and, and, and it's free if you're on uh, PS Plus, so not really anything uh, lost if you give it a shot.
1: Yeah, oh, and it's beautiful, by the way. I'm playing the PS5 version. I guess there is a PS4 version and a Steam version. But on the PS5, it is breathtaking.
0: I mean, it's like so... It reminds me of The Witness. Uh, okay. Well, you know, one thing that you can always say about Annapurna games is they always have the artistic element down. I've, I've played many of their games, and I like some of them. I like others less so. But the one thing that's common is they always have a really strong artistic bent to them. They always look great. They always sound great. Like, they definitely put a lot of time and effort into making making things beautiful so that's something that you can't take away from them thats well
1: for sure. well here real quick um, uh, tangent is that that's the difference between them well many differences and like games <laughs> because well here's the thing it is curation right Annapurna is publishing this right yeah. yes. so they have a bunch of people going like hey what is graceful decay doing they're oh look at this amazing beautiful thing so there it's an eyeball it's having a good eye and I like it has to get some more eyeballs. <laughs>
0: okay, we're going to leave it there. That is Maquette uh, from Annapurna. Free on PS5. I don't know if it's free on PS4. They are starting to do a little bit of that whole, if you got a 5, then this is free, but you don't get it on the other platform. That's kind of weird, but it is free on PS5. Uh, otherwise, I believe it's on all the other platforms. All right, I'm going to talk about a game uh, that I picked up on the Switch for, I believe, $1.99 on sale. I picked it up just on a lark. I just looked at it. didn't look like my thing, but I thought, you know, I'm going to give this a shot. It's so cheap. It's called Steampunk Tower 2. What a generic title, right? Mm. What a totally generic, boring-ass title. doesn't really tell you much about it. Uh, I looked at the screenshots, and what was good about the screenshots was it had kind of cool colors in the background. Stuff in the foreground was kind of like black, and it had like a really good contrast between. So, like, the artistic element kind of is what got me. Plus... I mean, two bucks. I mean, okay, maybe yeah. it's great. Maybe it's not great. Two bucks is not a huge investment. Picked it up, and I got to say, Carlos, this game is awesome. I Whoa, love it. It's like I,
1: so good. <laughs> I was foreshadowing that when you said it. I could tell. It is tell. so
0: good. It's so good. I could not believe how cool and fun this game is. So here's here's the deal. Uh, it, is, it is kind of like a tower defense game, except you only have one tower, and you are the tower. So what happens is, you fly above the city in a steampunk airship, you go to like a combat zone. This is like a little cutscene. The the ship drops this giant it looks like a I don't know like a tent spike or something. Just like a like a large spike. Just drops it from the fucking sky, comes rocketing down to earth, jams itself into the ground and then two little feet come out on the side of it and it stabilizes itself and then the top extends and it becomes a tower. It's just like it plants itself wherever the battle is, right? So once that tower rises little elevators uh, open up on the inside and these little turrets come out from the middle of the tower and then they go on either side, a left side or a right side. Something about this design I find to be so fucking amazing and awesome and cool and neat and fun. I just, like, look at the visual design of it. The tower rocketing down, opens up, little turrets pop out. Something about that just, like, tickles my fancy so hard. Like, it's getting raw and it's herdy. Because it's so fun and it's just so... Neat. I think it's a great idea.
1: Yeah, um, tower defense, and it's just one tower.
0: One tower, and you're in yeah. the tower, and then you don't have a whole bunch of shit to. Because I, I generally can't stand tower defense. I don't usually like it. Right, me uh, too. But once in a while, somebody will tweak the formula. Like when people do active tower defense, I think active tower defense, where you have a character, yes. sometimes can be pretty cool. Yeah, they but can. But straight up, like tower defense, where you're just watching it, and hopefully you planned right, and hopefully, you know, maybe, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I don't care for those very much. But this one. A total big spin on the formula. So what happens is the tower sets up, little turrets pop out. You can choose whatever turrets you want. So you got machine guns, like uh, uh, like uh, like a saw blade cannon. You've got like a heavy cannon that shoots stuff on the ground, like a mortar. You've got uh, electric cannon. You like unlock them as you go. Whatever. You got a bunch of different flavors of cannon. Um, you set these up in whatever way you want, and then you take on all of the hordes, and they approach you from both the right and the left. And so you're shooting um, automatically. You don't control the shots. But what happens is you're not bored because those uh, little turrets will run out of ammo and you have to, like, reload them. If you don't do anything, they will stay on the outside of the tower and reload really slowly. But if you're watching the battle, you can kind of see which ones are getting low on ammo. You can retract them into the tower to make them reload faster. But also on top of that, when you retract them inside the tower, you can move them to a different position And like, maybe there's a cannon on the right side that has a bunch of bullets and the cannon on the left side is just about to run dry. Retract the cannon on the left, move it down, take the cannon on the right, switch it across. All of a sudden you've got like more backup on the left side where it needs to be. So like half the game is actively reloading your turrets to make sure they don't run out of ammo. And the other half is like watching who's approaching you and making sure that your turrets are rotated properly to whichever way they need to go. So like, for example, another example, uh, the electric guns are not great against anything except for robots. But when robots show up on the battlefield, they're really big. They're huge bruisers. They can fuck your tower up like really quickly. So you got to take the robots out like ASAP or else you're in trouble. So like if you've got your electric cannon on the right side of the tower and a robot's coming from the left side, you like switch that cannon over, like move those cannons around, retract a couple, get the electric guy on the left side, start blasting that robot, switch something over to the right side. So you're not actually like doing the gunning yourself, but you're managing the guns Mm. in just one tower it's fucking awesome, dude. It's really fun. I think it's really cool. It's active in just the right way, and it's also passive in just the right way, and I think it's really cool. On top of all that, there's a pretty in-depth leveling system where um, you have a big map of Europe. I think it's like real world uh, Europe. There's like London and France and stuff. It's an alternate steampunk universe. Exactly so. It's an ASU. ASU. There you go. Uh, and so you, you conquer territory as you move over. You set up your towers and stuff. You collect taxes from the people that goes into your resources, and you um, have to like capture little factories. You can get resources from the factories to build up your your turrets, right? So like you start with a basic turret, then you can like upgrade like the medium turret and the the higher level turret. But there's also branches, and you can't go back. So you got to like these, make these strategic choices. I've only got so many dollars, and I need to get a better turret. Do I want the turret that shoots further, or do I want the one that shoots harder? Which one do I want? Do I want the electric gun that will stun people, or do I want the one? That will pierce Arbor. Like, which one? you got to, like, decide. And if you make a mistake or whatever, it's fine. And not that this is necessarily a mistake, but, like, if you maybe get one that's not the right one at the right time, you maybe you need a different one for a different battle, you can make more. But it's like, you know, the penalty is sometimes you got to wait a while to build up some more money if you make a mistake. So there's, there is some consequences to it. It's not just consequence-free. But you go across the country, you build up your resources, build up your empire, build up your, your turrets the way you want them to be built, which I think gives it a really good, crunchy flavor. Seeing all the different kinds of turrets, all the different types. There's also special unique turrets you get from these one-off battles, which are pretty cool. And then, just like the turret itself, the action is really, really fun. I think the graphics look great. It's really sharp, simple, easy to read, and yet there's lots of colors, and I think it looks really vibrant. Um, Action's really fun, and I think it's, it's busy, but not too busy. It's passive, but not too passive. It's kind of like tower defense, but not really. I haven't really played anything exactly like this before, and I think it's just fucking awesome, dude. I've been so addicted to it. I play it um, maybe like three, four levels before I go to bed. It's not something you're going to play for 12 hours at a stretch, right? Because yeah. like you're only going to do so much stuff in a tower. But, like, dude, when I put it down, I'm thinking about it, and when I come back to it, I'm really having a good time. Play, you know, conquer one or two more little territories, put it down, come back to it the next day. I think it's fucking great, dude. I love this game. Two bucks.
1: Two bucks. Let me ask you a question. Um, I'm looking at the map and it seems pretty massive. Uh, that resource collection stuff, is that time consuming? How how long are you actually doing the resource stuff?
0: Oh, dude, it's pretty easy. So what happens is you have to fight in each territory once. So let's say like you're in Central Europe or something. You've got, you know, every chunk of like 50 miles or whatever it is, I don't know how they divide it up, but like you gotta you gotta take over each territory. So you gotta fight each battle one time. But after you've beaten that battle you can just auto fight it and just get the resources from it. So like I can collect through like all of Europe and uh, all of Britain and all that stuff takes you, I don't know, like, Two minutes to like collect all the resources then you're on to like the new territory and honestly like collecting the resources is pretty it's pretty calming like you just kind of go through and collect mm, okay. your money and stuff it's not a drag at all it's really fast so it's no big deal
1: yeah and the animation looks cool i'm looking at the trailer um so this seems groovy especially two dollars what the hell
0: oh man i dig it like some of the best part this sounds really weird but like some of the best part is going to the map screen When you need to get your resources, they actually load the resources onto a tiny, tiny little train. And the train has to make it all the way across Europe. And sometimes they load it onto a boat and it comes to you. Like, it's not like you just get the resources. It's like they got to send it to you. And so you're watching the little train go across the land and it's get to your station. And then you meet at the station and you get the box of things. Like, it's totally stupid, right? It doesn't mean anything, but it's so cool. It's such a neat little feature. And it just adds so much to the flavor of, like, you kind of like taking over this territory this game is fucking dope dude i find this is a great game it's so different and fresh and interesting and new and it plays really well and i just i'm having the best time with it and it's put out
1: by dreamgate and i uh looked up on steam and this is called steampunk tower 2 there is no steampunk tower 1
0: i believe least, it I, I
1: believe it i don't know i don't know maybe they just went right to two but it seems groovy I, i'm into it i'll get it on my switch done. Like Man, it's done
0: good stuff works great on the switch i love it so that is a big big thumbs up for Steampunk Tower 2. One of my favorite surprises of the year so far. Out of nowhere. So there's that one. Uh, Carlos, last night when I was asking you what you were going to talk about in the show today, you gave me a list of games, and at the end you said turkey. And I thought, you know, yep. I enjoy a good turkey. Yeah. Maybe he's hungry. Maybe turkey's on his mind. Maybe we're going to talk about dinner. Maybe he's got a good turkey recipe. Maybe he's got a pet turkey. And my mind was spinning, thinking about all the different ways we could possibly... Talk about turkey on this show. Mm -hmm. Carlos, how are we talking about turkey today?
1: Well, I do have a pet turkey, and his name is Roger, and he is adorable. So that's what I meant. Uh, So let me tell you about Roger. Actually, no, that's not true. I uh, (laughs) typed in Turok, and it auto-corrected it to turkey. turkey. (laughs) Yeah uh Turok Hunter there's like many of these games I never know any of the names of them I played this one I still don't know what it's called because I think it's just called Turok uh it's a re-release on the get this PS5 was
0: this this originally the N64 Turok right it's the remake
1: uh of that game that already came out and I believe it was on Steam which they you know bumped up the frame rate etc and now this is it on the console
0: But Uh, it looks like an N64 game?
1: Yeah. Turok Dinosaur Hunter? Yep, yep. It's still old school Turok. So I think they are, like, actually creating a new one right now. Uh, We don't do research, but I think that that's happening. But this is, like, the original Turok. Old school. Graphics are basically the same. But it is 60 frames per second. And it is smooth. And if you remember, like, what, didn't they re-release Doom recently or something? Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. The
0: N64 Doom. They did, yes.
1: Yeah. And then... You go back and go, like, okay, well, obviously the graphics are what they are. But if it's, like, responsive, it's still a fun shooter. You know, it's still going to be a fun shooter. And I'm not sure if there was a save version in the N64, but there is in this one. So um, I was able to, you know, play a bunch and actually, like, keep my progress.
0: Oh, because you can just do, like, those those custom save states.
1: Yeah, I don't know what they did, but they did something. I remember I saved my game in this Tarok, but okay, I, I, I played it for a lark or on a lark. Or what is the phrase that we use for, just a, larf. for a larf? For a larf. But yeah. no, wait, wait, you 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 do it for a larf, but can't you play something on a lark? Yeah, I played it on a lark. Yeah, that's right.
0: Sorry. That's right. So I did both. You did both. You got all both your L words.
1: I think it was like similar, like dollars, right? It costs like two ninety nine, five ninety nine, something cheap. Okay. And I was like, you know, I'm a Native American. I got Native American in me a lot, uh, Apache. And I'm like, there's no video games for Native Americans. And we already know there's like three. And one of them is Turok. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, it's pretty slim pickings. Might as well go back to the N64 game and play it again. Uh, anyways, it's it's just a fun game. It's like, it's ridiculous. Uh, the graphics are bad. Um, this is first person, right? First person shooting. And I guess the biggest thing was my problem with it originally is that you're a Native American and you mainly shoot guns like that's what you that's your main weapon like you have a bow and arrow, but it's shitty like it. has. I this... mean,
0: is that good or bad? Because I feel like there's a lot of potential for that to be kind of like racial racially insensitive. Like what if he showed up and he just had like a tomahawk or something? Wouldn't that be like super racist of them to do that? I mean.
1: Now, there's racism and there's what just happened. That's a whole other tangent. But I'm fine with him having a fucking tomahawk or bow and arrow like he used, like my family, uh, you know, family line used when they were Native Americans. They didn't have guns. They didn't have machine guns. uh, And they didn't even have horses. That's a whole other thing. So, yeah, I think uh, that aside, the fact that I just basically used guns and it was basically doom, you know, there's no real Native American part except when they showed... The Native American like pick up a, a puzzle piece or something. Uh, it was just <laughs> relaxing and fun. It was just you know ridiculous. It, it was a fun, you know, not to the old school to go back. And I was just blown away how smooth it was because at sixty frames, it's like uh, what's the other shooter games I've been playing? Uh, like Cyberpunk. You know, like I'm in Cyberpunk. I love it because it is sixty, and I can't. I feel like I can't go back because it's like one to one reaction to my hand yeah, on the controller. Yeah. You know. And this is what this is. It's Turok. It's bad graphics. Uh, it's weird design. level design. You know, you're finding weird puzzle pieces and going underwater and going through teleport gates. And it doesn't make any sense. But you're shooting dinosaurs. That's always fun. Um, and it's just super buttery smooth action. And,
0: and, and this is the one where, like, a, a hill is depicted as, like, a flat green polygon, right? Like, it's like your guy is made of, like, five polygons or something. Like, are we talking about that? Like, the super old school mega blocky n64 yeah kind it's of stuff. mega blocky
1: yeah. but it's i was actually surprised at how much more like um like tangibility to the world there still was like you still okay. had to climb things like there was like vines and i was like oh i'm climbing in an n64 game that's fancy um you know like when we first saw original 3d mario or something we're like wow we can do these types of things in the okay. environment okay gotcha. so all that's there and the shooting just feels great like it's The only weird thing is it's pretty good at like um, placement of like where you're shooting and you're not missing too many times. Um, But there's this animation like back in the day, they felt like really proud when they had animations that were like lifelike, you know, and there's this animation they overuse when you shoot certain enemies. They get shot in the eye for some reason and they just start bleeding out of their eye and then they stumble forward. Like that happens way too much because I'm shooting people in their legs, you know, (laughs) And yeah. then it'll do the animation for the eye and it's like they just wanted to show that back then. That's
0: kind of awesome I have to say. I got shot in yeah. the leg and my eye explodes. That's, it's a, that's like a
1: Skyrim thing. It's like yeah, took one in the knee almost. It's like a meme.
0: Is um, this the game that has the cerebral bore as one of the weapons?
1: I don't know. I don't I don't think I played it long enough back in the day. You or... might
0: you might unlock that cuz I remember back in the day that was the big deal. They they did like an entire advertising campaign about truck And they're like, yeah, you're going to have the Cerebral Bore, which is a gun that shoots a drill that drills your enemy's fucking brain out. And that was, like, Whoa. the whole big thing. So when you get to that, okay. if that is this one, let me know. It's fun. It's just a relaxing time, similar to
1: some other games I mentioned on this episode. Uh, you know, you have a lot of games that you want to, like, really dig into and, and go into the story and stuff. And then there's just, like, arcade games or, like, you know, relaxing something. For sure. For sure. And so this is fun. And I was just blown away that it was so... Like I kept playing it, I was like, I should have just played this for two minutes, but I'm still playing it, and it's because it's 60 frames per second, and it's like, yeah, it's fun to go back to old school with a little bit of new school.
0: All right, that is Turok: Dinosaur Hunter. You're playing it on PS5? Where you playing? Yeah,
1: it? I think it's either or PS4. I, I'm playing it on my PS5. It might be a PS4 game, I
0: feel Originally from the N64, Nintendo 64. 64, yeah. From back in the day. Okay, one more game. We do have one piece of QA to come up uh, at the end of the show, but we're going to go back to our current favorite game of the show, Days Gone. Now, Carlos and I discussed before the recording, we think that we're going to talk about this game today, right now, here and now. uh But I think probably the next time we discuss it, we're going to devote an entire episode to just doing a spoiler cast. We're going to cover it from start to finish perhaps we're going to deep dive so if any of you listening out there want to join us for that you want to play along give us your your thoughts your feedback your ideas impressions uh mini reviews anything you want to say about days gone we're going to collect all that up and then we will put that in the show we'll read that off in addition to having our own you know wrap up definitely spoiler filled so we'll give you plenty of warning for that as well Uh, i think i'm really loving this game i know carlos is really loving this game so we're going to Talk about this game quite a bit. Now I have some moments I'd like to share. I know that you have some moments you'd like to share as well. But we also got a article sent to us uh, this morning by uh, Game Critics writer AJ Small, uh, good man AJ Small, and it was a um, an article that I think you and I both took some issue with. So would you like to uh, talk about the article first, or would you like to go through our cool moments first?
1: Hmm, I don't know. Um, maybe we'll do the article first because it seems like it's the hot topic. And then we'll kind of, like, talk about some uh, moments that we're having in the game, kind of to finish it up. Um, Yeah, so this article, it was made and written in 2019, and um, he sent it around now just because we were talking about Days Gone. Yeah, yeah. So I had not originally read it, and it was uh, for Vice, and it was by uh, Patrick Klepek, who I know and um, went to birthday parties with, and he's a cool dude, and I I met him in San Francisco, and he was part of, like, uh, and he still is part of Gaming Press uh, Prestige.
0: Yep. Um, Well respected writer, Patrick Kleinbach. I've only, I've only like virtually met him once. I, we basically have no relationship at all. So I don't know anything about Patrick other than what I've seen, you know, uh, online, his article. I mean, of course, I'm familiar with his work, but I don't know him on a personal level.
1: Yeah. So I think that knowing kind of him and his writing, um, it makes a lot more sense to me why this article was written this way. I think, you know, there's certain people who write articles, not to go on a tangent right away, but I think maybe it's everybody that. There's supposed to be objectivity at times with gaming press, but there's it's almost impossible, right? Editorial, it just goes out the window because people have feelings; they have strong
0: feelings, and if you're sure. objectivity is a myth. That's it's, it's, yeah, it's not, yeah, no such happen. thing.
1: So you know, his, his his slant, as well as just in general, Vice and and uh, the Waypoint podcast, which you might have heard of, um, they very much are like let's drill down into games and see what's wrong with them. Like a lot of times I feel like that's the slant. Um, so that's why this makes sense to me as I was reading through the article. It's not as outlandish as we might make it sound right now in a few minutes because I guess it's my disclaimer. I know him and I know what this is. A, this is a
0: big disclaimer because it is. I, I took serious issue with the article and it seemed like you took issue with it as well. I
1: did. That's why I'm doing the disclaimer at the beginning because everything we're about to say, which we do have serious issues. And I think the issues also, I'll speak for both of us, are we just want to like, you know, put our opinion on it, our stamp on it, because regardless of the article itself, that is an old article now, it's more like I think we just disagree with what the game is.
0: Um, if, let me give my disclaimer as well then, because okay. I, I feel like everybody is entitled to their opinion, and this is not in any way a personal attack on Patrick. I think he's a good guy from what I know about him, and this is not an attack on Vice or anything. Um, but I do think there is a right way to position an article. And I think there's a wrong way. I'm an editor. So I do a lot of this all the time. We talk about how we handle things, how we position things after playing this game for as long as I did. And then reading Patrick's article, uh, I think he handled it in a very unfair way. And I take a real, real big issue with how he positioned the the issues he bring up, which I'm sure Carlos are going to go through in a second. So yeah, okay. as I was reading this, I was like, wow, this is the the route you chose. That was your choice. I respect you for your choice, but I do not really respect The way that you brought this up, I feel like it was very unfair. Uh, Disclaimers
1: are out of the way now. It's almost like we kept our house, but with disclaimers. So do you want to maybe do the overview of the article first, and then I can break down the little points? Yeah, yeah. Let's let's
0: talk about the overview. I don't have it in front of me, but really, um, really briefly, uh, Patrick was saying that he just really just did not like Days Gone. Again, this is from 2019 when the game released, so this was written pretty close to when the game launched. Um, Basically, he just said he thought the gameplay was boring. That's fine. You can think it's boring or not. But the parts that I kind of took issue with were... In the very beginning of the article, he says he's killing kids. And then he later, you know, in the next sentence, he's like, yeah, but they're zombies. And he's like, I took issue with the fact that I was killing kids. That was gross and violent. And, of course, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not reading from the article here. And then later on, he says, oh, the main character, Deacon St. John, is terrible because he takes a woman and sells her into slavery, which, again, not really what happens. And he just goes on and on about how this is a terrible guy. The guy Deacon's a jerk. This world is terrible. All this, there's too much violence going on. I had no way to talk to people I came across in the woods. I just killed every person I met, basically. I mean, that is one way you could describe what happened, although I would say those are not accurate or even fair descriptions. Yeah. So, Carlos, why don't you go first, and I'll chip in after you.
1: Yeah, let, let's just break down some of those things you just said, and as, as well as, uh, like I said before, this is also just to kind of, I think, put our stamp on what we think the game is, because we are enjoying it quite a bit. Um, big time, big time. So... What's interesting about just the the overall slant is, you know, this kind of dark world this game represents. It, it sounded like he was exp- he was describing The Walking Dead, which people love, right? <laughs> and I like, or even kn- The Last of Us, or The Last of Us, yeah. Like other other things are comparable to the way that he was making this game sound. And I was like, yeah, that's a lot of media. Um, not that I'm like on board with like all the dark stuff, uh, and I did nope out of Walking Dead at some mm-hmm. point. But I just think that that's kind of interesting. Like the whole overarching thing is like, this is terrible in lots of ways that other media already is. Let's talk specifics really quickly. Kid zombies. We never mentioned that, by the way. Most games don't have kids in them, especially kids you can't fight or kill. Sure, sure. And so I did think that was weird when I first saw it, and I remember that. But what's interesting is a couple things were left out. One, yeah, they're all zombies. So there's no kids. You're not killing kids. There's zombies. There are also zombies that generally don't mess with you. So it's almost like the developer may, went out of their way at times where, like, you don't really have to kill them because they're all on the rooftops. Yeah. So they basically, like, are, in quotes, harmless. And I think they just wanted to show that other, you know, children were actually affected by this outbreak.
0: Yeah. As, as far as I know, there is only one mission in the entire 50-hour game where you actually have to kill those little um, kid zombies on the roof. So that's like one mission out of 50 hours.
1: Yeah, one mission out of 50 hours. You're right, because I did that mission. And yeah, that's like the only time. Um, so that's kind of weird. The second thing that's the biggest point, I think, is the woman being sold into slavery is what she, what he was Is uh, how he about. said it was, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so Deacon, which we both agree, um, is a very, very human character. And I find myself, like I said last episode, really him echoing some of my thoughts like i feel sure, like sure. me as a character goes like man this is really fucked up you know or i don't know if i believe this I, i'm confused and i like that i like that he doesn't know where the fuck he is and what he should be doing and he is confused but the the, the example is he finds a girl who's basically uh, holed up in a little teeny apartment and there's zombies all over the place and there's a good chance she's gonna die would you agree
0: Oh, yeah. She's in dire straits. She's all by herself. She's got no food, no family, no support. She's barely been surviving in this, like, gross-out house. The whole fucking town is surrounded by zombies. It's just a matter of time before she gets picked off.
1: Right. So, Deacon, slash you, bring her to a camp. Now, all these camps are work camps, and I know I have my pros and cons about the work camp idea. But in general, they're like people trying to create a civilization, like little societies. And some are nicer than others. But he just leaves her at, like, a not-so-great one, right? Which, believe me, I have a lot of problems with Tucker and that whole camp, and fuck that camp. Um, But then, at some point, Deacon realizes that this is a bad place for her, and he does get her out of there. Right. And he brings her somewhere cooler, which Patrick never mentioned. And then she actually, like... It's a sad fucking story, her her whole story. She gets taken by some other people, and there's, like, a a whole other storyline with her. But he does... What he thinks is the right thing in the beginning, and then he fixes his mistake, even. Yeah, so right? yeah,
0: let's, yeah, absolutely. Let's be, let's be really crystal clear about this because this big issue that Patrick raises is you're a character who sells people into slavery. Okay, that's not exactly what happened. Like, just like you said, Carlos, he's rescuing her from a place where she is almost certainly going to die. He takes her to the nearest camp and he's like, yeah, they make you work, but they give you food. You know, he makes it sound like his understanding of the camp based on the dialogue that we've gotten is that. You have to work for your keep. Okay, that's like that's like having a job. That's like doing anything, right? It's not until he visits later in the game, like a couple missions later, when she's like, I hate it here. They force me to work, and they're like he she starts explaining that it's like more of like a slave camp than anybody knew. And as soon as uh, Deacon figures that out, he's like, Okay, oh shit, this is this is bad, this is wrong, I don't like this. And then when she escapes, he doesn't take her back, he doesn't force her to go back, he takes her to a new place. Like he yeah. realizes he's made a mistake. He did not realize the depth to which, what kind of work camp it was. And then she's gone, and he doesn't force her to go back. And also, additionally, I want to be really clear that when you find survivors in this game, you do find random survivors throughout the game. It is up to the player which camp they go to. So, like when you find a guy and, like, out in the woods, you rescue him from zombies, he's like, oh my God, thank you. Where can I go? Where's the safe place? A pop up shows up, and it's like Camp A, Camp B, and Camp C, or whatever. And you don't need to send anybody to the work camp if you don't want to. It is yep. your choice to send them somewhere else. So, like, once the game establishes that Deacon is now clear that this is more of a slave camp than a work camp, he stops doing it. So it's like he fixes his mistake. It's not like he did on purpose. He's not a slaver.
1: Yeah, which made the article maybe like, hey, this is what I'll do. I'll, I'll sell her. By the way, didn't he say sell?
0: Yeah, but, I mean, I thought that was a know. misrepresentation, too, because you get financial rewards for every single mission that you do it's not like it's not like the lady gave you a stack of cash and was like ha, 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 another woman for the pile right 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 it right. was like you complete the mission and you got money just like you do for every other mission it, it wasn't anything special
1: yeah it's a video gamey thing you get credits yeah. just because that's what the game yes, is doing. mission
0: done over that's what happens
1: on top of that just a double down on the work camp again it never is a i'm pretty far in the game i think i'm getting really close to the end it's never really shown as a slave camp, because that's a strong word, man. You know, you can't just throw that word around. Like, they're working them really hard, and I saw one scene where someone beats up one other guy. Yeah, I've seen one of those, too. Yeah, you haven't worked hard enough, and he punches him, and I tried to, like, intervene, (laughs) and I couldn't. Yeah, they Um, don't let you do anything. I know. But it still wasn't like, you know, they're all naked, and they don't have any food, and it's not, like, totally fucked up.
0: And to be fair, it's easy to miss that scene. Like, it's just kind of a random, like, ambient thing that happens. So, like, I... I went to that camp probably 15 times and never saw the scene where that guy is punching the other guy and forcing him to get back to work. So, I mean, it's you could see that early. You could see it late. But it's not, like you said, it's not an over-the-top slave camp. You were not doing this thing to sell her into slavery. That's not what the mission was.
1: Yeah. Uh, the other one was just the idea in general about killing people. Yeah. Uh, like random like people. coming across the marauders in the woods. All right. This is my a concern I have with games in general. Again, it can't be... You can't single this game out. Every single video game let's say 85% of them oh it's at that, least 95% yeah you're killing people and and i neither of us are like on board to have that be the the game loop every time and that's actually why as you heard in this episode we play lots of games um but that in these types of open world games uncharted i'm looking at
0: you oh, do you God, know how many uncharted. fucking yeah.
1: human beings you kill in uncharted it's crazy a mountain of
0: bodies dude a mountain of bodies you never have a discussion with anybody you never try to no. work anything out in uncharted
1: and they never brought that, I mean, I don't know if people brought that up, but I definitely brought it up in Uncharted. I was like, why am I killing 8,000 people? Um, so that can't really be a consideration, right? That has to just be stricken from the record.
0: Well, and let's and let's be really clear, right? So he says, I came across a group of people in the woods. These people were like bad guys. And he's like, oh, you know, I, just, I killed them. I just killed these people. That's not really what happened because it's been well established in this game that anybody who's not a member of a camp is like, a marauder or a raider or a crazy person or a drug addict or something who like a violent drug addict who like go around killing people. So like when you come across these people, if you, you yeah, go ahead, and try to talk to them. They will immediately open fire on you. Like there is no dialogue. Just like you say, this is a video game that does not allow for any interaction with random people except other than violence. Right. So like, yeah, you can sit there and try to talk to them, but the game doesn't recognize that there's no option for that. So the only choice is to kill these people, but it's been established that these guys are in the world robbing and raping and killing and stealing and that's why they're out in the world and not in a camp so it's i mean it's just like you said like 95 percent of games out there like when you're playing mario you don't try to have a discussion with the first mushroom come across you just Shit. fucking step on them give me a break you don't talk to them
1: there's a real problem there i don't know if we've ever mentioned on the show but i heard in the japanese uh instructions of super mario brothers everything in that game are the townspeople did you hear that no, I haven't heard that. Were they transformed or something?
0: Yeah, like you're literally killing all of the town. <laughs> well, see, then I guess we should be looking at Mario instead of Days We Gone should. Then. We should. Okay. It just, yeah, it just seemed like a really disingenuous argument to bring up to me.
1: To that point, and again, <laughs> this is this is be hilarious. Like right now, like Patrick actually loves the game or something, and we're like tearing apart this 2019 article. But again, I think we're doing it because we want to show people that we do like this game, and I think there's a lot of good things about it. Um, I will say additive to the killing people in the world. Most of the missions that you do side missions about going to camps where there are people that you have to kill.
0: Yeah.
1: I would say 90% so far is they give you a backstory of what happened. And the backstory is fucked up. It's like, Hey, you know, that guy, Roger. Well, Oh no, that's my Turkey. Uh, not, not Roger. I'm <laughs> not Roger. I just over reused the word. Um, you know that guy, uh, James, or whatever? Well, yeah, he he uh, took Susan, you know, Susan from the camp. Uh, he shot her in the back of the head. Yeah. And then he just left with like a bunch of money. So, can you like go get him? You know, because that's like really douchey for him to do. Like, that's one thing. And the other thing is, even when you go after some of the characters, sometimes you don't even have to kill them because I just did a mission where there was a guy who's a douchebag. And I was going to go after him and try to like, uh, capture him or something. And the zombies killed him. Yeah. And right. I was like, that's the end of that. That's the end there's, of that. Mission. There's also
0: missions where you're going to find people. Hey, so-and-so went out on a farm run and they never came back. Can you please go help them? Can you please go find them? Right. It's and
1: not- there are missions where you actually tie people up and yep, they're like, you know, we're just going to bring them back to camp because they were a douchebag.
0: Yep. 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 So it's not like, I mean, I felt like. Patrick's article was very unfair. I felt like it really took a lot of the stuff out of context. He really put things in like the least favorable light and did not give a full representation of what was happening. And I mean, if like, if you don't like the idea of killing kids or whatever, I mean, that's fine, but don't make it sound like you were killing kids. I mean, these were zombies. There was no way to talk to them. There's no way to like nurse them back to health. I mean, you know, just like any other game out there, like you don't talk about how when you go to fight a mission in like GTA, how you couldn't talk the bad guys down. You just blast them. Like, that's, like you said, Carlos, that's a problem with games. That's a problem with how violence is, like, the number one way of interacting with anything in a video game. That's a larger discussion than Days Gone, so I feel like it's really unfair to single this one out and to say, like you said fairly, like, anybody in the zombie genre is kind of doing the same thing. Like, Last of Us or this or uh, Dead Island or anything like that. There's all the same kind of themes. Like, it's, it's like its own fucking genre, the zombie genre. So, it's, it's like, have you not engaged with zombie material before? Do you yeah. just have a problem with this genre in general? I mean, that's fine. I respect you for having the choice, but don't make it sound like Days Gone is like some kind of special offender that's going out of its way to be this objectionable material, when honestly, I don't think that's even remotely true.
1: Right, and on top of that, like, back to Walking Dead, which I think I've mentioned on the show before, but I noped out of that series when it got too gory and too same, many, same. yeah, really, really horrific moments. You're like, why am I watching this? I have to, like, go to bed later, you know? And, yeah. um, and so... This game hasn't had any of those like i mean they've had zombie moments you're like oh no and that's really sad they tell sad stories and but to the one of my final points and, and i'm glad we're going through this because it's actually just bringing up things again like i i like about the game i uh, i think he had mentioned that there was no connection to the characters right like uh, you just go around you know shooting things with boozer and that's it right well obviously he didn't play very much of it because Boozer's storyline is really emotional. I think it's a really good story. And at some point, we haven't talked about this, but this real good song comes in. Like you're on the bike with him, like a, an oh, actual yeah. like song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, holy fuck, this feels like Red Dead Redemption 2 moment or these really cool moments where a song comes in and you just feel emotional. And the the character, Rachel, I'm really like becoming attached to and like we've been through so much together on missions. Um, It's crazy. So that's... Not true either. There's definitely connections to characters in this game. Um, and the last thing I was going to say, he just mentioned about hunting never pays off. So what? Because <laughs> it doesn't. He, he's right. It doesn't. You get you learn how to hunt, and it doesn't matter. But I was like, I don't. I'm not playing this game for the hunting. You
0: know. Yeah, it's just a, it's a little thing you can do if you're driving around. I mean, it's it's certainly not. I think you do like one mission where hunting was required, and then you can just it's totally optional for the rest of the game. So whatever. Yeah. So
1: basically just discrediting the whole article, unfortunately, that's why we did the disclaimer. Uh, yeah, I think we both think the opposite of every other, every part of this yeah. article.
0: It was it was a surprisingly slanted and unfair article, which I think really did not do this game any justice. And I, w- I mean, I was a little surprised, honestly. I really have a lot of respect for Patrick as a writer, and I think that maybe he just got this one wrong. I think he maybe didn't have his uh, glasses on straight for this one, so. That's probably it. was the glasses. I was wondering what it was. It's just the glasses. Yeah, could have been that. He probably doesn't even wear glasses. I, I never met him. I don't know. He's uh, got his, his contact lenses were switched. He had the left and the right, right and the left. He got it wrong that day. Dude's a sharp guy. I like Patrick a lot. I like his writing, but he just was, he did not get it right on this one.
1: I really dig him, and I dig Waypoint. Um, this is really just about, for me, uh, calling out the things I like in the game and how these uh, particular um, words in a story are, the opposite for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about a couple things that we like about our uh, experience right now, though. Maybe just a couple little. Things. Just a couple little
0: quickies. Yes. You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Uh, you go first. All right. So okay, I okay. Good things. Uh, moving on. Uh, so I was driving around, and as you play Days Gone, you will see these question marks pop up on your map. I did not know what these question marks are. The game actually, as far as I know, never explains what the question marks are. So I didn't know what they meant. Uh, the first couple times I saw these question marks pop up, they're not always there. They're just there sometimes. I went to him and the first time it was a wolf and he attacked me and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and then the second time I saw a question mark, I drove out to it and it was a wolf and he attacked me. And I'm like, fuck. Whoa. So I thought I thought that question mark meant a wolf hears you because you're making noise, right? Your motorcycle's going. Adorable. That's what I thought it meant because the first two times I did it, it was a fucking wolf. Wait, wait, Twice. hold on.
1: So the first couple of times I did it, just so a comparison. Yeah, yeah. It was just like random, like, you know he, how he does. Oh, by the way, we didn't even mention, this game has like the Witcher detective mode. It does. You, you like find something, you like look at it for a while and go like, where is the thing I need to look look for? Um, and like these little circles of like investigation area. And yeah. so, yeah, I did this first two question marks I did were just like resources. It was see? just like zombies <laughs> and resources. And I was like, Oh, I thanks. Wish, question. I mark. wish
0: I had had that, ex- that experience. Cause I literally, it was a wolf every time. And I just thought that means a wolf is tracking me. That's what I thought it meant. Cause that's what happened. Right. I was looking at a map because I needed to find a specific place. I couldn't find out on the map. And the guy's like, Oh yeah. When you see these question marks, it's like little mini adventures. And I'm like, what, what? And so I started doing more of the question marks. And sure enough, it's not wolves at all. It's fucking little mini adventures that you can go on. And I, I've been skipping them this whole time because I thought they were just wolf attacks waiting to happen. <laughs> so I started doing them. One of them was really fucking cool. I, I, I stopped. I found a, a question mark. I tracked it with the Witcher vision. And then I come around a corner and there's three of these like ripper guys. Rippers are like the um, like strung out druggy religious weirdos who like carve themselves up and they're psychos and they just kill people. Um, they three of these Ripper guys had a hostage, and he was held above a pit that was carved out of the ground, and it was full of zombies. And I come around the corner, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, here's a survivor. I'm just going to pop these guys real quick, and I'll send this guy to a camp. Not the work camp. Not the work camp. camp. And so I come around the thing, and then I, I forget how much of this game is emergent, right? Because as soon as I come around the corner, the Rippers see me. They're like, oh, hell no. And they kick that guy into the pit, like, immediately. And I'm like, oh, oh no fell down the pit and he's at the bottom of the pit going, oh, bro. and then you hear the growling and shit. I kill the rippers like as quick as I can. I go into like um, like bullet time mode, kill the rippers. I look down at the bottom of the pit and I'm like looking to see if the guy's alive. And I think I see him. And there's like a million zombies down there and it's dark. It's like literally like a hole in the ground. And I go, he's gone. He's gone. I'm like, ah, I think he's gone. I don't know if I can climb out of this hole if I jump down there. That sounds like a lot of zombies. I'm not going to do that. I think this was a failed rescue attempt, but I liked it a lot because a, it wasn't scripted, right? Like I thought when I came around that corner, Oh, it's scripted. Like that hostage is going to just stay there. They're going to have plenty of time to kill these guys. I'll get the points from saving this guy. No, 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 no. These guys were going to fucking kill this guy. I just got there too late. Right? Like it was happening without me, whether I showed up or not. And that's awesome. Even though I was bummed about not saving the guy, I thought it was awesome that it happened without me. So that was like pretty amazing. I, I thought that was pretty neat. The other, Oh, oh, I was
1: going to say, it just reminds me of like that last mission I did right before uh, this podcast is that, yeah, there was a guy I needed to get and the zombies got him before me. And I was like, well, I guess they were to happen to spawn near him and he's dead. You know, I didn't do anything.
0: I love that dude. I mean, I did a mission uh, yesterday or the day before where I needed to clear out a camp of like Raiders who were like, you know, Whenever people got on uh, supply runs, they would attack these people and steal their supplies and kill them and rape them and stuff. So they're bad guys. Like, you don't want to talk to these guys. You got to go kill these guys. So you go kill them and I get close. I even posted a video of this. I don't know if you saw the video or not. But I, didn't. I there was a horde that spawned randomly near them and I they did not see me and um, the bad guys didn't know the horde was there. So I got close. Uh, I threw an attractor device, kind of like a little alarm clock that makes a bunch of noise. I threw it over to where the bad guys were the zombies that were in the horde heard it and started rushing the camp that I was supposed to clear out. And like, you could see the, the real time count. Like there was, I think eight or nine guys that needed to be killed. And as soon as the zombies got over there, you could see in the corner, it was like dead. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Like the whole camp got cleared <laughs> nice. out. Yeah. Didn't have to do anything. And I just waited until the zombies like got bored and left, went in, swept up the, the gear and the stuff they left behind the bullets and whatnot. It was amazing. Like that shit is fucking so fun, dude. That's yeah. really.
1: Fun. Uh, wait, I want to say one question mark thing yeah uh so i uh, was staying with that topic i did a question mark the other day it was in camp and i was like why is there a question mark in camp and it was just to go over and listen to a guy do a song on his guitar oh,
0: yes i saw that too i did that one literally just last night yeah and
1: i listened to the whole song and it was really good i was like holy he's got shit. multiple
0: songs dude he's got many oh does songs. he oh he does. so this game's fucking great
1: by the it's way spoiler really great... I... It just gets better and better. I'm like, what the fuck's wrong with me? Why did I give up on it in the beginning? Anyways, the other thing I was gonna say is, yeah, a lot of my question marks are the same thing as you. Like these just these little moments, and I love that about uh, the map.
0: I, I I am I mean, granted, I'm playing this game two years after release. People tell me it didn't run very well on PS4. It had a lot of you know technical issues. It's been patched, I'm sure, a million times. So like the the view I'm getting now is like the best possible view. Literally two years after release on the next generation of hardware, more horsepower. I mean, I'm getting the best possible experience. So I I grant that I may have had a different experience if I had played this on release. But looking at what the game is now, how well it runs, how smooth it is, the content and everything, I think this is a great open-world game, dude. I'm having, like, the best time. The character is great. His personal journey is great. Cast, supporting cast, I think, is great. The action is great. I mean, there's, like, just enough resources to make it interesting, but not so much to make it a drag. Combat is really smooth and fun. Like the motorcycle is amazing. It's so fucking fun to ride the motorcycle. Like I think this game is just front to back. It's just great all the way around. I'm surprised it did not get more props.
1: What one more great thing and one more actual con cuz I have a pro and a okay, con. Okay. The pro is that the graphics are ridiculously good,
0: bro. It's super good-looking game. Like, it really looks because good.
1: Because you've obviously been in the snow now. Like, there's snow. Oh,
0: the is amazing.
1: The snow at night with the shadows? I'm like, guess what, uh, PS5 games that are coming out right now? You ain't that good. Because so good, yes. driving in the snow at night at dusk, and there's an actual dusk color. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm literally driving into the forest, and the forest... This is specific, but the forest has a different shade than where I am on the road, you know, where there's different. Oh, dude.
0: Yeah. The landscape, everything about it is so fucking great. Like, it's beautiful all the way across.
1: Leave footprints in the snow. PS5 games aren't even doing that. You know, like the sound of the tires on the snow,
0: the way your bike fucking skids on the snow, which feels totally different than how it skids on the dirt. Like the first time I hit snow, I was like, oh, my God, it's like snow. Crunchy, soft, wet, slippery—like it is in real life. That's fucking nuts.
1: It's fucking nuts. I just keep getting blown away. I was in a uh, section, which is not a spoiler, but we were in some caves, and the guy only had a flare. And on my nice TV, it looked ridiculous. Oh, that it red was like glow inside the yeah, cave. Yeah, it was just yep. like you're just total blackness, and you only see the flare. And it was like I'm looking at a PS5 game. Like yeah, it's yeah, legitimate. that's good. That's good. Uh, the other things, a couple cons, real quick. Is I hate the gas tank. You know that. I still do. And I know they went for realism, but most of the time, and I play this game like insanely amount of time, but I'm doing gas stuff like way more than I still want to. I fucking hate it. <laughs> uh, I've upgraded my gas tank. I just sent you a picture to the I most. I saw that. Yes, you got I think the, level the most you can tank. get. Yeah. The biggest one. Yes. And it's still going to be motherfucker. I'm going to still look for a fucking gas thing to fill it up because it still goes out. You do fast travel and the fast travel uses
0: gas. It Come does. On. It calculates how much gas you're going to use from A Come to B. Does, yes. You know, just give us a little of that. And I mean, here's here's my con. Here's I I feel you, and okay. I, it doesn't bother me as much as it bothers you, but it bothers me a little bit. But my the thing that bothers me is like you cannot take an extra gas tank and strap it to the back of your motorcycle. Why mm. can you not do that? I got a backpack and a bedroll. I got extra ammo. You can get the the carry bags for the back of your bike, but you can't strap a gas can in the back of your bike. Why not? True.
1: Yeah, you put ammo up that, back there, but you can't put gas. Um, fuck the gas. Like, the gas thing is dumb, and I don't like it, and I don't care that it's real. So that's the only main thing I have a problem with. The second thing, though, I just said the main thing. The only other thing is the stealth missions can still fuck off. Like, they really can. Because, they're, you know, again, you have no... All the things I'm upgrading my character to be, yep, which is yep. the biggest thing in games when I always talk about on the show... I just want you to reward me for the work I did, and so every time I do a mission, which I'm still doing them, where I have to hide from these guys, yep. it's one shot. You fail, and I want to just like jump off my couch and and never ever play the game again. You know.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> those things are fucked. I, I know that you don't like those ones. I the first two or three I did no problem at all first time through, but the one I did yesterday, I actually failed it like three or four times in a row, and I wasn't sure why I was failing it. I mean, I eventually did it, but yeah, it's kind of annoying. I wish they – I mean, they should have a better setup or something because they they just kind of say the guys that you're stealthing on are basically invulnerable because they're wearing these hazmat suits. It It would be better if they said you can't kill them because then they'll know that you're here and that way it screws up the story. So then at least you've got more motivation to not be caught. But I agree. It's kind of irritating. I wish they would make it a little bit easier to kind of just like stealth through. Um, It's not a game breaker by any means, but yeah, it could be a little bit
1: better. It's not a game breaker because it's not too many missions. I've only done like five of them, but they're annoying as hell. And it does, yeah, it breaks the immersion because I'm a really, really um, super strong person now. You know what I mean? So it's silly. Uh, Other than that, though, yeah. I mean, it literally last night, it was like one in the morning and I had been playing it for two and a half hours straight or something and didn't even realize it. I was just like, fuck, I just got to do one more mission
0: so good it's so good it's it's absolutely that one more mission just one more mission just one more mission and that's three o'clock in the morning for sure for sure all right enough of days gone we're gonna not talk about it for a little while we're gonna carlos and i will both finish the game i feel like we're both within spinning distance maybe of finishing the game we're gonna finish this off uh the next time we talk about it here on the show it'll be an all days gone episode we're gonna go through the story through the fun parts the not so fun parts the good the bad the ugly everything the zombies grown up and kid versions whatever We're going to get your feedback. We're going to go through it. Maybe we'll even comb some reviews, maybe see what people thought. That might be kind of interesting. We'll see what happens. Let's call it the the All the Days are Gone episode. All the Days are Gone. Days are Gone. i got to come up with something very punny for that. We'll figure something. All right, Uh, right, folks. That is it. We actually – I do want to apologize really quickly to AJ Small because he did send us a listener Q&A. It was actually a fairly in-depth Q and A uh, that I was going to read on the show, but oh, we had so many games and we talked about Days Gone for so long. We are like way past time right now, and I'm sure my wife is wondering where I am. You're so, in the
1: you're in the Matrix. You can't come out. You're in actually, the Inception. Do,
0: do not unplug me right now. It'll brainwipe me. I cannot pull out. But we're gonna we're gonna put this a pin in it for now. I apologize, AJ. We do have your question. We will get to it next time. I'm sorry that we went long. We didn't have time to get to it, but it's here. We'll talk about it next episode, I swear. Thank you for your patience. I appreciate it. Thank you for saying this question. Um, We'll get to that next time. But right now, we got to wrap it up because we are over time. That's what happens when you talk about good stuff. Two hours,
1: motherfucker. Two Uh, hours. uh,
0: All right, folks. We're going to get out of here. We're going to wrap it up. This is the show. But before we go... As usual, we'd love to get your questions and comments. Um, thank you, AJ, for your question, and we will give you some comments. If you want to send us something, hit us up, sovideogamespodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at SoVideoGames, but we're also on the social medias individually. Carlos, where can people find you? YouTube.com slash a lot of things. All right. As for me, as per usual, on Twitter, on Instagram, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. And that's going to do it for episode 223. Thank you again. For joining us here on the So Many Games podcast. And we'll see you next Friday. But in the meantime, this is Bye from Brad.
1: And it's uh, I'm Gone, because I'm days gone from Carlos. I'm terrible. Weeks,
0: ago. weeks ago.